success in the new retirement with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton. And this is the Success in the New Retirement Podcast with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton. My name is Mark Owens, and it's all powered by Acute Wealth Advisors. All the information, you can find it at successinthenewretirement.com. And Damon, Matt, I saw this story, and I couldn't help but think of you guys. So you heard about legendary talk show host Larry King. He passed away last month at the age of 87. Now, at the time, he was in the middle of a divorce with his wife, Sean. How many t- has he been married? Like eight or nine times now? <laughs> I, I don't know. I lost count. Sixteen. I don't I'm, know. Using, I'm using my toes now to count. Well, they filed for divorce in August of 2019, but two months later, the story goes he allegedly hand wrote a new will that requested 100% of his assets be divided equally among his five kids, but nothing to his wife. Now she's going to court and she's hoping that the estate plan that they put together, they had an original will back in 2015. She's hoping that that's going to hold up in court and and not his makeshift will. So you tell me when you hear that story where you have a will, then he goes and amends to it. What holds up? Wow. I'm not an attorney, so they'll have to battle that out. All I could tell you about estate planning and probate is in the state of Arizona, if you if your kids end up going through probate and having to have one of these these disputes, it's because you really didn't take some very simple steps to to take care of that, mm-hmm. or you just wanted to have the last laugh with them and kind of give them a problem or a or a, a challenge as you left if they wanted the money. <laughs> um, Arizona is a probate free state, and what that means is there are some simple ways without having to go through a bunch of expense for the trusts and other legal documents to be able to pass assets on to beneficiaries. Bottom line is, as long as a beneficiary is listed on an asset, it will transfer without you having to go before the courts. Now, again, if there's a dispute or something like that, that's all another thing. But if you have listed a beneficiary on the account, then it's going to transfer without having to trigger probate. So you could have you know, $2 million in an IRA account, but if you've named your spouse or your kids on that, it would automatically transfer to them. They don't have to have an attorney. They can file the paperwork and the death certificate with the company and they'll distribute out the money. And that you can even do that on real estate. In the state of Arizona, you can actually file a beneficiary deed on your home or on a rental property mm-hmm. and transfer that as well. There's really not too many excuses why you wouldn't have your estate plan in place, but that doesn't necessarily take away kind of the tax planning around with that and how you would potentially pass on more wealth to your kids. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you a couple pointers of some things that you could kind of pay attention to. Um, number one, any IRA account that you transfer onto your children, they will they have now 10 years to distribute that out and they'll have to pay tax on that at their ordinary income rates. There's no way around that. And th- and there's some tricks and some things that you can do to avoid paying tax on that. So I have a client, they have a substantial amount of money saved up in some trust accounts, and then they have some money in their IRA account. And they have more than a million dollars in their IRA account. And then we were talking about this issue that, you know, if this continues to build, depending on how much they would spend, that they could end up passing on two, three, four, five million dollars in tax deferred money to their kid. And so they said, what do we do about that? You know, are we just giving them this huge tax bill and all of a sudden Uncle Uncle Sam's going to take 40 or 50% of all of this money? And I said, well, you know, there's a couple options. And so right now they're actually exploring and looking at a second to die life insurance policy. Now, this is a person that doesn't need life insurance, right? They don't need the life insurance for, you know, if he died, his wife would be just fine. And so, but they're using this life insurance as a tax strategy or an estate planning strategy. And so what this is doing is they're putting money each year into this life insurance policy 
And once the last of them dies, this policy would then pay out $2 million in tax-free income. And that would go to the estate or go to their son. And now he would have $2 million bucks to be able to pay any taxes due on their estate. And so, you know, they're going to pay into this policy probably two or three or four or $500,000 over their lifetime as they make this payment into it. But if they pass away, they're going to get $2 million in tax-free money that they can use, that their son can use to be able to pay down the taxes on the overall estate. And so it ends up being a really good investment, right? If they, if they both died early, that they'd be even a better investment, but that's Mm -hmm. what they have done to be able to generate some tax-free income or, or an asset that can be used to pay taxes on an IRA. And so there's all kinds of different strategies that can be out there. But first thing you say is, okay, how do I make sure that I have beneficiaries listed on my accounts? Okay, what steps do I need to take to make sure that those are accurate and they're up to date? And then am I going to owe a bunch in tax? And are there things that I should be looking at that would be able to pass on more wealth to my family and the people I care about as opposed to giving more to Uncle Sam and having him take that and dwindle it away in whatever programs he's going to put that in. I love that you brought that up. We continue to talk about estate planning and afterlife planning because I know there are people that get frustrated and say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to die broke. But I want you to hear this clip from Market Watch. His name is Chuck Jaffe. And he said there is a huge problem with the whole I give up, I'll die broke type of thinking. Dying broke is okay. If right. you run out of money before you're broke, that's a problem. Suddenly, you're not dying broke. You're dying as a burden on everybody else. And as those two things get close, if you're feeling healthy, but your money is not, you're going to wind up living your last years in significant financial distress. You know, the financial planning industry, they basically want you to you know, save an amount of money that hopefully you never have to winnow away. And if you're really fortunate, it generates enough. You can live as long as you're going to live and pass on a nice inheritance. All right. So that's something we literally just talked about. What's best? Is it better if if we take that money, as you just mentioned, and say, you know what? I've worked hard for this money my whole life. I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world. Or is it better for people to leave that inheritance to the family? Well, I think there's oh. two options in there, right? I mean, what he was basically saying is you want to have a plan for how you're going to meet your income needs until the day you die. And nobody knows when that is. And so there's two ways to, that you can approach that. Number one is that you create what's called lifetime income. Or the other one is that you make sure you have a nest egg that's large enough to cover expenses down the road and then whatever's left over will pass on to beneficiaries. So Mm -hmm. how do you do that? Well, lifetime income is the way that pensions provide income. So again, the pension program, uh, if you work for a company that offer a pension, kind of what they promised was you were put in so much many years with us and then we're going to provide a monthly income that's going to be guaranteed for life. And you you can select that it would stop when you pass away or when you and your wife pass away. And so now this income would continue to pay to you until the day you died. And that there's nothing left over to pass to the kids, but you have this income benefit that you can count on along with Social Security to know that it's not going to run out on you. Well, more and more people are retiring without pensions. And so now people are having to figure out how to do this on their own. Mm -hmm. And so what a lot of people have been doing is turning to annuities to provide a lifetime income. And these lifetime income benefits will pay income for as long as you live. Even if your money runs out, it will continue to pay. The difference is, and this is how they're superior to a pension, is if you pass away, most of them pass on whatever's left over to your beneficiaries. So you kind of get your cake and get to eat it too, where if you live so long that you run out of money, the insurance company will guarantee that income stream for you. But if you end up dying at 65 and you didn't get to enjoy all of your funds, whatever is in that account 
will still pass on to the kids as a death benefit. You know, you can kind of allow you to have the income that you're going to need and you'll never run out and you're going to be able to be able to, you know, maintain your independence and you're not going to become a financial burden. But if you live and there's still money left over, well, it still gets to pass on to the people that you love and care about. And so the other approach is that you just put a bunch into investments and you withdraw an appropriate amount. So you're always leaving a large nest egg there that's available for you. And and again, that is worked really well as well. Again, it would mean that you probably would pass on more wealth and you may not get to spend quite as much for yourself. And so you just have to kind of decide which approach you'd want. And most of the time, Damon and I like to kind of straddle the fence. We think there's a place for both of those types of strategies. And so it really comes down to kind of building a financial plan that allows you to kind of do both of those things. Damon, Matt, another story that caught my eye. There was an eight-year-old border collie named Lulu in Tennessee. Her owner passed away. And since the owner wasn't married and didn't have any family, the owner left this border collie Five million dollars. <laughs> who, who inherited the collie? That's the that's the winner. So his name is Bill Doris of Nashville. He died at the age of eight of four, had no family, so left everything to the dog. Now the estate is in probate, so it's unclear on how much it's worth. But the owner of the dog got passed on to Bill's caretaker. So now the caretaker now owns the dog, which I guess has the estate. So how would this hold up? Like, does the caretaker, does she automatically get that $5 million when the border collie passes away? Like, how often does this happen, leaving money to a pet? Well, it would be basically they probably have a trust set up, and now the caretaker is the trustee, which means that for them to take money out of the accounts, that $5 million bucks, they would basically have to have justification that it's going to the benefit of the dog, right? So, uh, what that what that means, I have no idea. I mean, do you go buy a you know a massive house that the caretaker gets to live in and the dog gets to roam, or is it just does really, a dog get like a dinosaur bone to chew on? Right. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, it, it has its own personal chef. You know, I don't know, but uh, but basically, that's the way the trust is likely written that the the trustee is supposed to do it for the benefit of the um, beneficiary of the trust, which in this case is the dog. So pretty interesting. And that's one of the best ways to make sure if you're thinking about how how do I want to control the distribution of my assets, whatever it is, whether it's to my dog or to my children or to Uh keep it away from a a spendthrift kid or, or something like that. One of the best ways to do that is to make sure that you do the planning and have a trust in place that's going to dictate this is how these dollars are, are to be spent and, and to keep it out of probate. It sounds like this state this is in probate, so it sounds like they didn't do everything correctly. Um, and and that's that's the key there is to is to do the planning ahead of time to make sure that if you want to control those distribution or control the distribution of those assets that that you put that in writing and, and do it in the proper ways and and put everything where it's supposed to be to avoid that nasty probate. Um, you know, the dog doesn't know any different, but we always tell our clients, if you don't like your kids, send them to probate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's, you don't want to have that. Yeah. If you're in Nashville and you see a, a dog strutting down the street with a diamond encrusted <laughs> collar, that must be Lulu all highfalutin now. Well, we've been talking about like inheritance and we talked about how it's good to try and leave some kind of inheritance to the family. But what would you do if you were fortunate enough to inherit uh, inherit a large sum of money? Business Insider said what you should not do is just sit on it. But how is that not any better than taking a risk by investing it or playing with that in the market? Well, I think honestly, that's one of the reasons that people do sit on inheritance money is this this money has kind of an emotional attachment, right? This is money they received from their parents or or someone that they loved. 
and they want to be wise with it. I think that in almost every case, when someone comes in and they've received money, they're, they're, they're concerned about losing the money or not being wise with it because it has kind of this emotional attachment. They'd feel like they'd be disappointing the person that left in the money. And so, you know, I think what Damon and I have told people is, you know, using that money to pay off debt is an awesome way to honor the memory of that person. Mm -hmm. Using some of that money to actually have some fun and travel and, and enjoy it, I think is really wise. And then the next thing is if there's money left over after doing some of those things, then you want to find the appropriate investments and and try to grow that money. Because again, if they just stick it under a mattress, it's going to lose the battle of inflation. It's not going to be a real wise thing to be doing. And so that doesn't honor the memory of that person either. And so, but you want to kind of maybe put it into those three buckets. I think you pay off some debt. I think you spend some of it. And I think you then find the appropriate investment for that to make sure that you're not being too crazy with it, that you're going to you know, use it. And, I, and I've told one of my clients, I said, you know, what do you want to do with this? And like, well, I want to really honor my dad with this money. And I said, well, you know, what did he like to do? And he's like, he loved going on family vacations. And I said, well, what if you take this money, you and, you know, use some of it to pay off some debt, you, you know, you spend some of it, but every year, why don't we have this invested so that you could pull out three or four or $5,000 and do a trip and take the grandkids or do something nice with the family so that you're kind of honoring his memory and getting everybody together and doing something that he loved. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this, what this client does. And they, they love it, you know, and every year when they do this vacation, you know, they, they have a moment when everybody's gathered around, they're having dinner and they say, Hey, this, you know, this vacation's brought to you by grandpa uh-huh. and all his hard work, this is his money. And we're just spending it on you kids and having fun. And I think that's an awesome way to potentially honor someone with some inheritance money that you received. Um, to do something with that money that they would love or that they loved doing when they were with you. And I think I've told you before, you know, my dad passed away a couple of years ago of cancer and, you know, he left, left us a little bit of an inheritance and I took mine and yeah, paid off a bunch of bills. I was like, you know what? Dad would be proud of me on this one because I'm not going and, and having a, you know, a drug lord weekend in Vegas. Like I'm, I'm actually <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> trying to be a mature adult with it. But you're right. That, that's one of those things where you step back and you go, I think this is what he would want with that inheritance. I want to ask you guys about legacy planning because we hear that term and we've been talking about it. What is the difference between like legacy planning and estate planning? Because it's more than just who gets what. You know, th- this is, is about controlling the distribution of assets once you're gone and doing something good with it to, to leave a legacy, right? Um, you know, let's go back to the story of, of the dog, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm not a huge dog lover, but, you know, I have lots of clients that are. And if they didn't have a, a child, you know, one of the things, the conversations that, that Matt and I would have had with this individual who passed away is, okay, your dog only needs a certain amount to, to live a good life. Right. But if you, if you really, you love pets apparently. So why don't you put some of these dollars to work, you know, for, you know, rescuing pets or dogs like this or whatever it might be. Right. And, and so people have things that they love. Maybe it's their alma mater where they went to school. Maybe it's their, they want to provide education for generations. You know, my, my sister married into a family where there was an aunt that had no children and uh, had done really well and saved and did the things she wanted to do, but left a couple million dollars. And she put it into, she put it to work. It was invested. It was kept in a trust and it provided for any heir, anyone blood related. If they went to a four year university, it would pay their first year of college up to a certain amount. 
right? And so everybody knows who that lady is in that family, even my sister who married in and was able to take advantage of that. That was a legacy that she left because that's what was important to her, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so that's where, you know, again, we're trying to help our clients do what is in their best interest, take care of them first, but more, than, more often than not, they're leaving something and then it becomes the question of, okay, once you're gone, what do you want to have happen with these dollars and how can we make that happen in an efficient way? that's going to leave that that legacy for years to come. Thanks for listening. Want more from Damon and Matt? Check out successinthenewretirement.com. And while you're there, drop us an email with your questions. Investment advisory services offered through Acute Investment Advisory, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through its affiliated company, Acute Wealth Advisors, LLC. Tax and or legal advice is not offered by either company or their affiliated companies. Consult with your tax and legal professionals for guidance on tax or legal matters. The information presented should not be viewed as personalized investment advice. All expressions of opinion are subject to change. We are not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.